As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Amanda Hayes is the president of AKH Financial Corporation at 1144A Pelican Bay Drive in Daytona Beach. Call 386-846-0658. Securities and investment services are offered through Sage Point Financial, a member of FINRA, SIPC, AKH FINRA. AKH Financial and Sage Point are independently operated. I've done it right for three weeks, and I'm bound to blow it. Anyway, Amanda's with us live today on WNDB. How are you doing? <laughs> You are doing a good job at getting the, the FINRA out yeah. there. Sometimes it can be tricky, all those different acronyms they got. But yeah. Anyway, doing welcome back. a good back. job. Thank you. Good to see you. Um, nice to be seen. The SEC is considering changes to some of the stock market's fundamental rules in light of the surge of trading over the past year by individual investors in meme stocks. Do you know anything about that? Oh, yeah. SEC loves to investigate. It's kind of the... Pretty much your uh, the end of the game there for you when the SEC SEC starts probing you though so it's it's to be expected I mean all of the shorting and the trading and the hype trading and just the front running on different positions so of course they're going to investigate it you can't have securities go up 92 percent in one day without really any fundamental reasoning so that's definitely something that they're going to look into I'm not surprised at all. What's the potential? The potential fines? Shutdown? Oh, yeah. They'll just do some fines. I mean, they love to find companies left and right, make a little money from doing that. And they've got pretty hefty fines for a lot of different reasons across the board. So usually when a company starts to get investigated, it's it's not a good thing. So Okay. Also, because you brought up for several weeks GameStop, reset its leadership team as the firm looks to leverage its recent popularity with investors to reverse years of languishing sales and strategic missteps. Are they repackaging themselves? Well, it's kind of like what AMC did last week. So they had that huge surge in their stock and they issued more shares and used that to pay off debt. So, I mean, companies, it's kind of a no-brainer that companies would do that if they get a surge in price and their values go up and they can issue more shares out to raise more capital they can use that capital to do a number of different things. And if, I mean, Hertz did it like a year ago, the bankrupt companies were rallying, it was ridiculous. <laughs> so they were pretty smart, the corporations, to be able to flip it and and do things like that. I mean, that that's smart, that's what they should do. So what else is going on in the market? I gave you two leads there. What's happened <laughs> in the last, how did we close? We closed in the green, actually. We got new highs on the S&P 500 today, so uh, I, Hopefully my um, my good luck charm sequence of being here and having those new highs on Thursdays, 
hopefully we're back because it took a hiatus for about seven weeks there. So <laughs> we'll see if this melt-up continues. It's It was a relatively quiet week in the markets until today, but it was a positive week. So the 10-year Treasury bond, that yield dipped below 1.5 this week. And you know, that's confusing because, you know, rates are going down when we have all this inflationary environment. And so the CPI report came out today and it was up 5%, um, which is the highest since August of 2008. But like we've talked about before, that doesn't include food or energy. So core CPI still rose 3.8% and that hadn't been that those levels since 1992. So when you dive into more of the details, the majority of these increases was attributed to energy prices and used car prices. So even though medical care and housing, those are two other large components of inflation, those appear to be slowing slightly. And that supports the Fed's transitory comments. So even though, I mean, I know I realize that like things are going up, prices are going up everywhere, but at least in regards to the CPI details today, it gives merit to the Fed's narrative. So likely they're not going to increase rates moving forward for a while because they are so focused on unemployment. But you know, here's the thing, the narrative could have been spun no matter what it reported. And this market has been so trained to just never believe any bad outcome. And that complacency has just become the status quo. So there's a lot of like 4D financial chess going on out there. Amanda, is CPI a lagging indicator? In other words, if we have a number that's going up now and inflation seems to have really gripped us in certain sectors of the economy, is that number likely later to go up even more? Yeah, so they've you've got CPI and you've got PPI, and so typically they're they're looking at those things to see what spending is happening. So it's going to be a, I might say it wrong, I'm going to say it's a lagging indicator because they have to compile all that information together, and it takes a bit for them to report it. So it's it's gonna you're kind of going to get your information later on. That's why we have to look and see what the next reports are that are coming up for CPI because we'll see how they change and how things progress. So. We already know that our GDP report is going to be is going to be good. It was good for the first quarter. It's likely going to be good to the second quarter because we have a lot of demand out there. You have that pent up demand, the reopening, liquidity. There's just there's just money everywhere. So, Amanda, uh, turning to payroll, what about the report from last week? Is there really an increase in jobs, or is this just people who went back to work? So, I mean, those the payroll reports, they come out like the first Thursday of every month. You've got the ADP report, the labor statistic report, and it, it gives some pretty good insight into the labor market. It's the labor statistics report that comes after ADP is a bit more comprehensive because it includes those government jobs. But sometimes they don't always, you know, make a lot of sense. Like like this one that came out last week, the ADP report was was less than the the government report so it, it was a little bit convoluted and so there's the the point is that there's still seven million jobs that have not been restored since the pandemic started and the labor force participation rate is dramatically lower and so that could be due to could be due to a number of reasons you know such as like people are just deciding to retire or you know productivity enhancements but it's painfully obvious out there that there's a lot of labor shortages especially for those those lower paid service jobs. And that causes a problem because it's hard to open if you can't find workers. And today the Labor Department announced that there were continuing claims dropping. So maybe that's due to the unemployment benefits that have been weaned off in certain states. And so that big question is, 
are these extended unemployment benefits the reason for the shortages? And so I guess stop the benefits and then we'll see what happens. But other than that, the Fed is accommodative. We got record earnings. Things still look really good for equities. And so investors just have to be diversified and know what their goals are. I think you would agree that, that there was hardly an incentive to return to work if you're being paid to stay home. So as these things ended, some of them June 1st, it'll be interesting to see what the numbers are for the summer. Yeah, it's going to be important. And um, yeah, why a lot of people don't have that incentive. And I think we had calculated that number was like $17 an hour. So if you were making about that per hour, it, you could stay home and get the unemployment benefits. For investors who may be thinking they'd like to retire soon, how should they look at this market and the economy? Well, uh, that's a good question. <laughs> I mean, regardless of whether or not equities are rising or falling, investors should always put their main focus on their own personal objectives. And so that includes just, you know, making sure that you're comfortable with your specific time horizon. You know, I, I still haven't seen one yet. There's no expiration date on anyone's birth certificates. So we have to kind of play these things out to see, you know, what that, that mortality is going to be. And so clients have to reassess what their specific risk tolerance is. They have to confirm if their investments are compatible with that time horizon and their risk tolerance. There's a lot of liquidity out there. Markets are at all time highs. And these returns that we've had, I mean, you don't want to you don't want to base your withdrawal on 22% annualized returns. You know, you got to look into what's called sequence of returns because if you're withdrawing money at say a, a five or six percent rate, and you're doing that based off of growth of the market, if you get a, a correction in a year that drops 30%. Maybe you don't get a V-shape recovery where the market comes back up in, in six months. Maybe it takes six years for it to come back up again and recover. And if you're withdrawing at, say, a 7 to 10% rate and the market is negative year after year for one to two years consecutively, you add all those numbers together and multiply them up a few times just to get back to break even. So you're going to deplete those accounts a lot faster. And you want to make sure that you have what you need, you know, maintaining liquidity for your short term and your near near term needs. And even when equities are performing really well, investors got to be prepared because market volatility should cause concern. But but panicking is not a plan. So market downturns are going to happen. And so are recoveries. And it's always healthy to kind of confirm that you fully understand what your time horizons are, your goals, your risk tolerances and looking at that entire picture is a useful exercise in determining that strategy and that's what i do with clients is figuring out what your financial snapshot looks like today and how do we need to get from point a to point b whether it's a one-year five-year 10-year 20 30-year goal and how do we protect you along the way so now that you're in the new office it's nice that people feel more comfortable they're coming in in your new digs right off of bevel road yeah, because <laughs> you were doing a lot of stuff by phone. Well, I mean, one. clients came into the old office too, which it's not really the old office. I've got three offices now. And you have three offices here? Not I have two here in Florida and one in Ohio. And okay. so um, clients can come in, but you know the other two offices are appointments. So my headquarters is off of Bevel. And yes, I have noticed that clients are coming in a lot more. But they still, I still offer Zoom. I still offer phone appointments. So it just depends on what they're comfortable with. I, I, I do have clients that have 
only done Zoom and they've, they've never come into the office. So it just depends on what's going to be the best fit for clients in general. And then, you know, we, you make an appointment to come in. My schedule books up pretty quick uh, for a few weeks out. So I try to make sure that, like I always say, I can't be everything to everyone, but I try to be everything for the clients that are, you know, that we're serving. Yeah, you've got, you've put yourself, you tied yourself in some kind of a knot here because everybody wants to talk to you. <laughs> because they hear you on the radio and they want, they they feel very comfortable with you. And by the way, um, Coach Ted Teshner says to say hello. You know he's a regular <laughs> listener all the time. One of your biggest supporters as you coach years ago. That's awesome. He's great. <laughs> it doesn't look like these topics are going to change anytime soon. Do you know what is the most uh, discussed financial topic from either clients or industry partners uh, uh, beyond the Fed and inflation? What are people talking about? <laughs> Well, you know, I'm, I'm sure people are Googling things like, you know, income taxes and insurance and mortgages. And um, during the pandemic, one of the most uh, Googled financial topics was life insurance, which is which is fitting. You know, you asked me about space investments last week and then it was announced this week that Jeff Bezos and his brother is going into space. So um, his company, you know, he has that company Blue Origin and. So he, him and his brother are supposed to be like the first um, passengers on it. And so there's one seat open. So if you're looking to get some FaceTime with Bezos, uh, you know, you could uh, secure your spot. I think they have it open for another week. And right now the bids are like $2.8 <laughs> to be sandwiched between the Bezos brothers for Put Warren Buffett 11. in the third seat. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he's doing that, you know. <laughs> if there's even a 1% chance of him having a, a problem, he's not going to do it. It it's kind of, um, you know, you know, and he's not the only uh, billionaire out there that wants to go into space. That Virgin yeah. Galactic founder, uh, Richard Branson, he wants to be the first one on his space flight. And so I guess we're just waiting for Elon Musk to uh, announce his. <laughs> it's it's crazy. I'm, I want to see if the private sector ends up running the show. NASA this week or the last week, Bill Nelson gave the state of the NASA address and said he's looking forward to working with industry partners. They're going to be working with him because they're they're taking over the field, the private sector, isn't it? Pretty much. I I mean, it, it's not one of my top ten goals to go to space. Yeah. It's not even in my top one hundred goals to go to space. Yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> so. Some callers have been to space, but anyway, that's a subject. <laughs> how does someone know if they need life insurance, and how much do they need? It depends on their station in life. But you know, I always thought it was whole life, whole life, whole life with a a component that has a return on investment. But sometimes term is really all you really need. How do you know how to advise a person? Well, term life insurance is going to be your most cost-effective way to get insurance. So if you're, you know, most clients that are, especially if you're in a higher income bracket and you're trying to find different strategies for income down the road, cash accumulation life insurance can be a really great avenue. Um, but they're, they're all designed differently. So Whole Life was a very popular product um, a few decades back. And since then, the products have evolved. There's a lot of hybrid products out there now that offer riders for income and also riders for long-term care, which we've talked about a few times. And it just depends on what your needs are, because a lot of times people will say, well, I don't need life insurance. I'm self-insured. And, you know, insuring your life is a, it's a little bit different than insuring your car or your home. And so I like to run different needs analysis with clients and 
ask them those questions like you know how's your family going to replace your income if if something happens to you like what's the value of what you've created you know if you were to to pass away 10 20 years earlier before in your mind you've planned it and how much is your health worth because once your health is compromised you can't buy life insurance and you know it's there's a lot of different cases if you own a business like how's your family going to continue to own and operate it you know different businesses need buy sell agreements to be able to supplement that owner not being there anymore and not wanting the spouse to come in and be the new partner they want to buy them out and have something to be able to do that trade-off with so there's a lot of things that go into planning for it and you know is the market timing even favorable for you know your family if they need to sell an investment okay uh, let me give you uh, an elementary example, and I'm going to see if I may be on the right course. 34-year-old husband and wife come to you for a financial plan for long term. In it, they ask you this question. Should I get, I, I just had a baby, should I get a whole life policy for them because it's real cheap when they're babies that, that can be built for the future? Do you advise people to buy insurance for their kids that they can have for a long-term investment? So in some cases you can, you can insure the life of a child and then even it could be a plan where you transfer it to the child when they become, you know, of, of age of so say like 18 or even 25 or 30 years old, you could kind of incorporate it into the plan as a, a transfer of value, but there's a lot of different tax situations that accompany that. So it's not just a blanket recommendation, but you certainly can insure the life of a child and there's a there's some rules that are involved in it that get a little bit more in detail, but it just depends on everyone's situation. So you, you can't just say, oh, yeah, you should do a whole life policy. Oh, yeah, you should do a, a variable life policy. It's these things cost money. Like I've said before, they're not too good to be true. They're too good to be free. Yeah. So you got to understand how the internal dynamics of these things work. And if you're going to borrow money, what's the rate that you borrow the money from? Does it you know, wash out or are you just paying fees upon fees upon fees? So they're, they're all designed different. So if you know what your earning capacity is, and let's say it's a good, healthy earning capacity over a period of years, you can actually buy a life insurance policy that guarantees that income in the event of your death. But if they only will do what? Net income and in, there's like a three-month grace period if, if you expire. So that's a different type of insurance. You're talking like a disability policy when you're talking about like insuring for a 90-day elimination, things like that. So typically you'll do just a basic calculation if you're making $100,000 a year, say, and you pass away, but you had, you know, 10 more years of earning that you thought you were, you know, potentially going to have. And let's say you want a policy and you want to be able to replace that $100,000 of income for the next period of time. So you can do that as a means of just having a lump sum of money that you spend down and deplete. Or you can do it as a means of having a larger sum of money that you earn an interest off of to generate the income. Is it taxed? Well, life insurance is not taxed, no. Well, it can be. I shouldn't say that. It can be depending on the situation, but oftentimes it's going to be a tax-free asset. Right. So these are just some of the many questions you should be uh, thinking about and asking if you set up an appointment with Amanda Hayes. Congratulations on the growth of your company and how many people you're able to help. I, I don't know how you do it. You're very good at time management. So I'm impressed. I'm taking a lesson from you. I'm taking that compliment. That's a good compliment. It's, time management. It's from the, from the heart. 386-846-0658 <laughs> is the phone number to set your appointment with Amanda Hayes. 
We will be away next week. So Amanda and I will talk two weeks from today. Thank you so much, Amanda. Thanks, Mark. Talk to you in a few weeks. Okay. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.